welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host. Um, under duress, he's kind of dragged me back, kicking and screaming to the microphone. I don't know if I like it or if I do kind of like it. Um, maybe I do. He's he puts the E in education and he puts the J in joy. At it's Ed Jowett from Shades of Vengeance. Hi Ed. Hi Richard. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go with you do like it because you keep yes. saying yes when I tell you I've got a project and would you like know, to talk to me? I know and then I go through the process of kind of like editing the show and then actually putting it out there with show notes and stuff like that so there must be some kind of small must be. Small schmackle of me that must kind of in some ways I guess kind of enjoy it. I don't know we'll need to see. Um, how are you doing anyway? I'm doing good. I'm doing good uh, we've been working hard this end. Um, uh, you may remember actually, I think I spoke about this last year, um, at the first six months of a year are the busiest time for me um, uh-huh. because the vast majority of my important releases go out in either May or October um, All right, okay. And and because of that, you know, most of them really go out May June, uh, end of May, beginning of June, uh, in time for the couple of conventions that I have in a row at that point. And I like to release at a convention when I can. And obviously, all of my Kickstarter backers they get their rewards before I release it and sell it in general. Uh, that's yeah, very okay. very important to me. So, um, you know. On this occasion, I am once again very, very busy. Uh, I'm working on a load of stuff I've spoken to you about before. Uh, I've just yes. finished delivering Battlecruiser Alamo. Um, I have just finished delivering Era Survival Colony, the card game. Uh, and I am working currently on Era the Chosen. Uh, and also yes. the Era Liars Definitive Edition is in proofreading, and I'm doing the proofreading changes. In fact, while I was while I was waiting for you, I was sat here doing the proofreading changes for that. So, <laughs> um, you know, I've got two big things on the go, and I've got loads of little things that I always have, always have going on. So, uh, and of course, we have this amazing Kickstarter, which I'm here to talk to you about. Uh, um, yes, you are. But in short, yes, you are. busy. <laughs> always. Um, I guess I better say for people that haven't listened to to Ed for the really to Ed for the first time. Um, You've obviously missed out on a whole pile of episodes because he's been on loads of them. Uh, <laughs> the reason that we do this is quite simply because um, Ed just keeps, he just doesn't stop. It's like email after email, can I come on the show, can I come on the show? And I say yes, so there you go. And the second reason that we do this is, um, well, it's kind of an anniversary, isn't it? It is. You know, uh, This is a really special the- one for me, yeah. Um, it is the fifth anniversary since I launched my first Kickstarter, um, and uh, on this occasion I am back, and I have spoken to you about Era of the Consortium before, of course, but I am back to talk about some new stuff that we're doing for Era of the Consortium to celebrate that fifth anniversary, because I have now, honestly, I have been making games for five years, and I can hardly believe that. Um, you you might feel like it's more like ten because uh, you've had to talk to me all the time. I, I was saying seven and a half, maybe. You know, a slight kind of seven, potentially an eight, but it's not as long as a ten. You know, I was actually thinking if I'd gone out and committed armed robbery, I would have been out in, you know, <laughs> been out in three. Um, so, you know, there's all, I could have done the 200 hours community service, but I thought it was the choice that the judge gave me, either continually have Ed on your show or do the community service. And I went, how... How tough? How tough could it possibly be? How tough can it possibly be 
to have Ed. And obviously the judge must have been a fan because he knew how many Kickstarters you were going to be releasing. So, you know, more fool me, me, really. Um, you know, because uh, um, I guess that's it. So, I'm, I, yeah, I think we're pretty close to releasing about 200 hours of episodes <laughs> with you in it uh, on the other side of it. So that's so that's kind of nice. Is it? I mean, but in the kind of the grand scheme of things, is it kind of weird to be in that situation? Um, uh, indescribably so. It, it is the oddest feeling. You know, like, I have a bookshelf of books that has been building up over time. Um, over the last five years, I've published um, 70 titles. Um, and a few card games as well. Um, but... That's a phenomenal amount of kind of like, not just content. I mean, I know folk joke and say, well, you do a kick, you do like podcasts all the time, but I mean, to produce kind of that level of publications, I mean, you're looking at hours and hours of work kind of behind that. So that's kind of like, I mean, how do you, you must be really disciplined in order to get kind of stuff done. I take it you kind of must be planning out your kind of your your kind of your workload kind of weeks in advance. Yeah, I I get these questions a lot, uh, probably unsurprisingly, because um, you know when when people go, oh, okay, you've been you've been game game designing for five years. That's quite a lot of content. And then I go, yeah. By the way, I also work full time. And they're like, what? Yeah. That's impossible. <laughs> How? So. The thing is that um, I had a leg up. Um, I am actually a uh, software project manager in my day job. Um, So my job is all about organizing tasks and making sure that tasks can meet deadlines and making sure deadlines are realistic. Yeah. Um, And that really is what my, you know, all of my professional experience has been around, which really, really helps when it comes to managing this kind of stuff. But yeah, what 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 happens in reality is I get up in the morning, I go to work. On the train to work, I write. Um, I get to work, I do my work for a few hours, I sit down to have lunch, um, I read and edit and write uh, during my lunch hour, I go back to work, I travel home, I write, um, I get home, I sit down at my computer and I do various bits and pieces. Uh, that I couldn't do, like on the move, like proofreading, for example, proofreading changes, um, and uh, yeah, uh, and and then I go to bed, and then I get up and repeat, and on weekends it's even better because I don't have to go to work. Um, <laughs> no, I, I exaggerate slightly. Um, I mean, I I do. I obviously I have days off, you know, I have time off, but um, it's pretty full on, and, and sort of in total, I probably, I probably put in, between day job and, and this, I probably put in a hundred hours a week. Wow. Um, you know, it's a commitment, and it's a big commitment, it's not a small amount of work, and, you know, I, I know you know, Richard, I know a lot of people who are listening will know, you know, who have hobbies that they dedicate to. I, I, I have a, I have a friend, um, who worked with me for a long time, who runs marathons, and every evening when he goes home from work, you know, he, he runs home. He then goes out and runs a practice marathon. He comes home uh, and he sits down and he drinks his protein shake or whatever, whatever. And, uh, you know, that's that's his day. That's that's how he chooses to spend his evenings. That's his hobby. This is exactly well, the I same. Think, but is it not, I mean, is it not kind of like uh, lack of, I guess, is it? 
people are doing so much more. I think that people are is so... I mean, there's two things to think about here, okay? The first thing is the barrier to entry to creating anything kind of content has dropped significantly in oh, terms yeah. of just, you know, audio visual kind of I mean you can I mean you can get set up on Audacity within kind of like twenty minutes now. I mean it's so easy just to basically grab a you can get a mic, you don't even you can use the mic in your computer. You could use that. You can get, you know, Skype, you can talk over, you can record through Audacity and kind of away you go. I mean you can get kind of podcast hosting for next to nothing. I mean even if you're doing like YouTube channels, okay, you can start off with a shaky camera, but um, again there's that side of things and there's also I guess the other side of things is that people seem to kind of put a, maybe a little bit more into a hobby because I know a lot of people who do their job to do the job to get the check and aren't necessarily doing the job because they're kind of saying well this is definitely what I decided I was going to be doing when I had the chat with a careers advisor at 13 <laughs> So I think there's a lot of people that are kind of, they've, they can either, I, I don't get me wrong, there are people that love their job, but I think there's a lot of people that sit there going, why am I, what am I, what am I doing? What is this absolute, what am I doing? And then they decide to find something else that they can, they can maybe put their passion into because maybe their role at their work or whatever they do during the day doesn't allow them to put their passion out there, doesn't allow them to be maybe creative, doesn't allow them to, to kind of expel the energy that they want to do, you know? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So I guess there's kind of that. Um, I, I, I am fortunate in that I am also passionate about my day job. Uh, you know, I, I, yes. I love it. Um, but it doesn't stimulate any level of creative content, really. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's entirely an organizational brain piece of work you know there's definitely dealing with people you know there's interactions with lots of different people with different you know priorities and so on but um you know the the you know the the actual creative side not used a huge amount yeah yeah and i, I guess there's different types of creative i mean there can be using your creative imaginative skills to get around the problem and oh, stuff like and that. Absolutely, that's different. a big factor of, yeah. of, of being a project manager. But I, I'm talking more the, I'm going to create a universe now. I'm going to build these characters in my mind and, and make them realistic and write. And that that's kind of, you're, you're right. Both are creative. They're, they're kind of different bits of the creative brain, in, in my brain anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. In terms of where you are with, as I say, this is a big tangent from where we started. I mean, it's five years. Yeah. Um, so what are the plans? What are you looking at doing with the fifth, kind of the fifth anniversary then? I I, I am, you know, as I said, I, I'm kind of a bit stunned that, that, you know, I've been going for five years. But I have an amazing team behind me and we have come up with a whole bunch of really cool stuff. Um you know, a bunch of people who I needed to say yes, you know, to give me a hand, said yes. Um, and uh, and we have gone away. We've come back with... Um, we're going to release a new uh, version of the Definitive Edition rulebook for Era of the Consortium. Um, it's going to be a fifth anniversary sort of special edition. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's going to have... Uh, uh, a lot of uh, fixes. You know how it is. Uh, they, they say that when you're a writer and, and you publish a book, you will pick up the book and within 10 seconds you will have found something you would have changed. 
Um, yeah, no, I totally get that. Yeah. And uh, and and that's absolutely true. You know, in my experience, I've I've published quite a lot of books now, and it's absolutely true. Um, there's nothing you can do about it, and at some point, you just have to say this is this is as done as it's going to be for the first time. Yeah. But um, yeah. something like this this gives me an opportunity to pick up the definitive edition again and go, oh, hang on, I wanted to change this, and now I can. You know, it was printed. I can't do yeah. much about that now. <laughs> But now I can change it because it's it's no longer you know the latest version. I can make a new version, and I'm absolutely taking maximum advantage of that. There are a few things that I want to kind of fix in the definitive edition, and obviously there's a little bit of new artwork for the uh, for the fifth anniversary. Um, the 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 same old same old same old uh, uh, era. Of the consortium artists have have gone away, and uh, Sophia's come up with a, a brilliant. I love the. Uh, the stiletto unit and the core image that she's done. Um, I, I love it enough that we're also doing t-shirts, uh, which will include <laughs> this image, because I love this image. I think it's brilliant. Um, and, uh, you know... We're, we're, have you had to... I mean, I know you're talking hmm. about changes, but have you also maybe had to kind of... Even though you'd like to change certain things, it would end up causing a, such a massive amount of work... That you really kind of have to hold back. Um, there, there are things and not bother doing. There it. are things that I regret. Um, that I regret doing. Um, there are things that I regret adding to the story. Um, mm. but what I've always tried to do is make the best of it. Um, to some degree, when you publish something, you might have forgotten you intended to change that, and and the proofreaders yeah. didn't notice because it read okay. And, you know, it seemed to tie in, and you're like, ah, whoops. But it's out in the world uh-huh. now, so what do you do about that? Um, well, I, I don't want to redact content. Yeah. Um, you know, if someone has... And, and, and that is absolutely true. I mean, while, you know, in the very, very first version of the year of the Consulting Core Rulebook, there were some misprints. You know, there was a mistake. Um, I'm thinking in yeah. particular of, of one particular table um, that was done wrong in the ship section. Yeah, okay. And I obviously fixed it, right? You know, I, I, yeah. I fixed it so that it was correct. And that kind of thing, it's a fix. That's fine. But um, I think that once content is out in the world, and you know, there's a story that says this character did this and that character did that, I feel pretty bound to it. I don't like um, retconning stuff. Yeah. Um, so there is stuff that went in that, that I kind of look back now and went, uh, I kind of wish I hadn't done that, and I would change it now if I could. Um, but it's part of the living universe now. It's part of what builds that structure that people play on, and I don't want people to have to unlearn things that they've learned about the universes. So, you know, what you do is you take it and you go, okay, this happened. This happened in one place in the universe. Maybe it had an effect on things. Sometimes it's even opened up new opportunities that I had never expected. Um, the definitive edition, the original definitive edition, was a, a lot of it was about resolving some of the gaps I'd left. Uh, because a lot of things went on the cutting room floor. When you're making a 300-page book, you've got to make sacrifices. Right? Uh, the definitive is 420. Yeah. Um, a lot of things went on the cutting room floor. A lot of things I couldn't include that I wanted to. A lot of things I uh-huh. couldn't go into in as much detail as I wanted. And the definitive edition let me do that which was great. But um, 
there are definitely things where, yeah, you're not wrong. I look at it and I go, man, I wish I'd thought about what the result of doing this would actually be. Mm. Um, back when I originally put it out in the world. Um, and I would have changed it. But, you know, I, I'm I'm still broadly happy with everything. I, I can work with what I've got. You know, there's nothing that's so bad I need to redact it. Have you looked at accessibility? I mean, based on the kind of lessons that you've learned in introducing people to kind of like the D10 era system, have you kind of looked in terms of making it easier for people to kind of get involved in things like that, for people to kind of pick up the rules? Has that been something that you've considered as well, it's, you know, for people that are going to be looking at this for the first time? It's really interesting you ask that because um, actually I was just having a conversation earlier today uh, with one of my team. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we're looking to do is begin doing a short series of videos which sort of explain the pros and cons of things. You know, the, the common questions I get asked. Um, why is a melee weapon balanced with a ranged weapon? You know, what makes a melee weapon better in some situations? Yeah. Um, or, uh, you know, I, I want to make someone who smites down his enemies like a paladin. I know this is a classless system, but how would I do it? Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of a, a, a sort of a, a player's guide, a player's handbook, um, a helping hand, something like that, um, that really helps people who aren't statisticians get into it and start going. Um, you know, I want my player to be the tankiest tank that ever tanked. How do I build it in that way? And what's the downside of doing it? You know, what 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 do I sacrifice in order to have that? Um, you know, and going into stuff like that, you know, what what's what's the advantages? What are the inherent advantages and disadvantages of each alien race? What what does it mean when, you know, I make that choice, and does it mean that I'm going to have a negative that I never could have seen coming, or a or a particular restraint on the way that I can play? Um, I'm thinking of the Ulutians in this case. You know, they are they are specifically moral, and if they don't act along with their moral principles, then they yeah, begin taking yeah. penalties. So, is it? I mean, so so going into this, I mean, is this a kind of a way forward for the other parts? You know, the other thing, other games in the series in the system. I mean, would you go back and? kind of consider kind of... yeah. I mean, I know you release kind of updates and new campaigns on a regular basis, but would you... Has this given you an idea of then maybe doing things for the other kind of games that you've got out there as well? Yeah, I mean, um, anyone who's listened to any of your podcasts already knows that Era of the Consortium, you know, is my favourite game out of the games I've created. And and that's really because I'm a sci-fi guy. Um, Through and through, you know, uh, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't like fantasy or superheroes or survival horror or, or any of the other things that I've made. And um, a big part of of the era games is their cross-compatibility, is the fact that you can play Era of the Consortium and then go to Era of the Empowered and know exactly what you're doing. You understand instantly. Yeah. You don't have to learn something new. Not, not much, anyway. I mean, there's the minor modular differences. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, okay. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, 
someone who's a tank in Era the Consortium and someone who's a tank in Era Survival or someone who's a tank in Era the Empowered would all be built very, very differently, right? In Era the Consortium, it's all about the shields. It's all about the encumbrance. You've got to have the armor, the encumbrance. In Era Survival, you may not have access to that stuff. It's much yeah. more likely to be around uh, uh, stamina, uh, willpower, um, you know, to, to not have the problem that, you know, you, you're going to run away when there's a problem. Because that's a problem in Era Survival and Era the Chosen. Um, you know, in, in Era the Empowered, it's likely that you're going to want to build your superpower in such a way. Maybe you want a Colossus-style metal skin. Or, or would it actually be better to be able to absorb momentum? You know, what? what's the best actual power for being a tank in Era of the Empowered? I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to talking about this kind of stuff. I think it'll be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have you taken on feedback from the community as well? When you knew you were going to be doing the fifth anniversary, did you kind of approach people you knew who were, had been supporting you through the kind of the last five years? Did you approach them and say, what do you think? What would you change? Have you been kind of doing, reaching out and speaking to them about it at all? Um, I, I less ask, what do you change than what would you like to see? You know, what what would you like okay. to change is obviously a very, you know, it's a very open question. No one is going to be 100% happy with your game. Uh, you know, that that's, to any game designers out there, no one is going to be 100% hap- happy and contented with your game. And if you listen to what everyone says, oh, I think you should change this, I think you should change that, you might get a better game, and you might not get a better game. Actually, I, I even do talks about how you deal with feedback. Um, so I won't go into a massive, massive rampage on that one um, in this case. Um, but I, I, I almost never ask, what don't you like? I, I, I always try to look forward, because I'm happy with everything that I've created. I'm not going to say it's perfect. There are definitely mm-hmm. more things that can always be added. There are new things that you can be able to do better. Um, one of the things I was asked for was, I want more nuanced mech-on-mech combat. It's all covered. It's all covered in the vehicle rules of Era of the Consortium. But someone wanted to yeah. run a mech-on-mech <laughs> thing, and they really wanted a, a proper you know, mech-boxing match thing going on. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I took that on board, and, um, you know, one of the things that I'm doing is actually going to deliver... Some newer, sort of some newer rules that really handle that much better than the vehicle rules, but they're totally optional. You don't have to use them. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. So, if people are looking at, you know, when people are looking at the the campaign, when they're looking at, you know, what's what can they expect as part of the kind of the pet pledge levels and the pledge packages? What are you going to be offering as part of the? The five-year kind of anniversary pack. So I didn't quite get all the way through all the three major things that we're offering, because we're, we're offering quite a few things. Um, the first is obviously the new Definitive Edition rulebook, the fifth anniversary. Um, yeah, the okay. second is the T-shirt that I mentioned, uh, with that image that I love. And the third is possibly the biggest and most exciting for most people. And that is we are offering miniatures for the first time. Um, I I do get a lot of requests, you know. I mean, as yeah. as you pointed out, you know, I keep in touch with people. People say, "Oh, you know what? Um, I like playing with miniatures. I'd really like to have some miniatures of of various races in the consortium." So what I decided to do was I decided to commission some miniatures uh, to be sculpted by 
Uh, and I was so phenomenally lucky uh, to to find Heriberto Martinez, who is talented beyond talented. Um, what what he has produced is, I I, I will never stop singing its praises. I, I all I have to do is put them on a shelf in my display cabinet, and I get people stopping and asking to buy them at conventions. Um, and they've not been available, so you know I've literally had the one display set, but I've I've had upwards of. 30 offers for them already and they just weren't on sale at the time mm-hmm. um and uh the miniatures he created are phenomenal um there are eight heroes uh which make up stiletto unit now i chose stiletto unit um partially because they're really the the iconic and well-known characters and partially because they've got a really good range of characters in different kinds of armor with different kinds of weapons um, you know, it, it, it gives you this this wide range of heavy armor, light armor, medium armor. Um, it gives you long range weapons, you know, assault rifles, sniper rifles. Um, it gives you explosives, rocket launchers, mines, grenades. It gives you a brawler who rips people in half. It gives you close up weapons like shotguns. It gives you swords. You have the choice, right? With these eight characters, you get a really good representation. Uh, you get humans, Ulutians, Zimians. Um, mm. you, you, you get a really wide range. So they're famous They're famous characters within the universe. Uh, they're the characters on the front cover of the core rulebook, front and back cover. Um, everyone is going to know who these are if they know the universe. And, and as I said, there's a really nice wide range. And um, there's also uh, a guard sergeant uh, for the enemy. And there are three grunts. Uh, I'm sorry, four grunts. What am I talking about? <laughs> they just, they've just had another no, one. No. Congratulations, there are, there are five grunts. total. Uh, there's three in the photo I'm looking at right now, that's why. Um, because I only had three. So uh, we, we began with prototypes, as you might expect. And uh, all three of the Smirtios security grunts, the, the grunts, have the same pose. And the first piece of feedback I was given is, Oh, I'd really like to see some guys with some different poses. Which is totally fair enough. I completely understand yes. that. And what I did is I went away. Um, I went back to Heriberto. And he took the same model. He did some new poses for them. And now we have four differently posed guards. And the guard sergeant. So the five guys. Um, uh, in the in the pack for the, uh, for, for the guards. Well I think you see that. Um, you see that a lot. In... Um in kind of Games Workshop anyway, they generally don't stick with kind of like having kind of a couple of characters kind of in the in in the same poses. They usually try and kind of mix them up. Well, you know what? It, it depends how far you go back. Because yeah. the last time I played Games Workshop was long enough ago that every Space Marine had exactly the same pose. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it yeah. really depends. I mean, as technology's progressed, it really has changed a lot. I don't deny what you're saying is, is totally right these days. Um... And for me, I thought, you know, I thought going in, well, it doesn't really matter that much, does it? You know, like, they're mooks, no one really cares that much. But no, people really do. People really do, and they really want to see different stuff. And I'm absolutely fine with that, and we went away and we made the change. And that's another brilliant example of how, you know, I like to get feedback from people about what they'd like to see. And if it's doable, I'll do it. You know, um, home base came from what people would like to see. Um, Mm -hmm. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, it was an expansion that offered... XCOM style base management, you know, for when you're home in between missions, 
and and that's fine. I can absolutely integrate that into the game. It's totally optional. You don't have to have it, but it's really fun if you want to do it. You know, it's it's a really really nice opportunity. Does it give you the option to um, to consider bringing in kind of more characters as you go? I mean, I know one thing that I think everybody's aware is that the actual process of creating miniatures is an expensive process to kind of get them tooled, get them made, and then get them produced, you know, and you really have to be making a few in order to kind of make it kind of worthwhile. But in terms of, you know, going forward with you creating minis for, um, you know, for this, are you thinking about kind of doing minis for Chosen or, you know, anything along the Empowered, you know, anything like that? I will I will produce minis for wherever there is demand. Um, you're you're yeah. not wrong. It, it depends how many people want them. And mm-hmm. because we hit the fifth anniversary, and, and I actually started planning this some time ago, um, because we hit the fifth anniversary with Consortium, I made the choice to, to give it a go, right? Yeah. Um, I made the choice to reach out and go, okay, I would like to do this. Can anyone work with me to do it? And Heriberto has been phenomenal. You know, I, I don't want to underestimate. If you want some miniatures designed, go to Heriberto. He will do you a good job. Um, and, you know, if if people come to me and go, yeah, you know what, Ed? We really, really want to have some miniatures for Era the Empowered. Right? I, w- I want to see Violet. I want to see Blue Shift. I want to see... Um, uh, the Necromancer and Harbinger and Monolith. I, I want to see these guys in miniature form. And if I can find that there is enough demand for it, if I can find that people really want it, whether they want them directly, whether they want them to convert or play in other games, it doesn't make that much difference. I mean, it's it's always nice when people want to use your miniatures in your game, but if they think that it fits their character, that's the more important thing, right? Mm-hmm. So if someone's mm-hmm. playing, you know, the Infinity role-playing game, um, for example, and they think that uh, Kutsutus, one of Stiletto Unit, really, really sort of captures the character with her pose. You know, she's very agile. Um, you know, she's leaning over. You know, she's got the shotgun ready to fire. If they think that captures the essence of their character, good on them. Please use it. You know, I, I'm, I'm not. I, I don't think that it has to be restricted to this. And if people can find a use for them, if people can enjoy them as miniatures. I'm happy. I'm obviously happier if they are using them as miniatures for Era of the Consortium. um, Because, you know, Era of the Consortium is something that I think is worthwhile and is worth playing and looking at. But, you know, I I have a guy who joins us for conventions, uh, Dave. Um, He he would pull out, whenever he was going to run a game at a convention, he'd pull out his Stormtroopers. Right, and they pull out miniatures and give people the choice of what they could use for their characters that they were going to play, because he plays with miniatures. That's it's just the way he visualizes the world, and that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with it. And there are other people, uh, honestly, like me. I don't particularly use miniatures at all. Now, if I had specific miniatures for the characters I'm playing, then sure, yeah, I'm going to use miniatures. But I wouldn't go out of my way to use miniatures. Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Then, okay. Yeah. Ha- get, having miniatures, having the universe and stuff like that, would you consider introducing kind of briefer 
be it smaller kind of combat type rules. Oh goodness, can you stop with can minutes. you stop stop doing that? You did that last time as well. Stop stop oh. calling the future one hundred percent correctly. It's really annoying. <laughs> Um, no, uh, joking aside, uh, you're, you're not wrong. Um, one of the things I that just, I have I'm just planned... thinking, of, uh, yeah, I'm just thinking about that, you know. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you're, you, you're not wrong. It makes sense. It's a great universe and not everyone wants to do an in-depth role-playing game, right? Um, some people want to do a more storytelling side and, and I think Irelias caters for that very nicely. Some people want to do a skirmish game, you know, or they want something a bit tactical, um, Descent. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, I, I really enjoyed playing Descent. I, I've only I've only played it a couple of times, but but both times I played it, I really enjoyed it. And you know what we did? We got really into the role playing side of it because we were a role playing group, right? So all all our heroes were lazy heroes who couldn't really be bothered to go out of the tavern and go and stop the goblins, but kind of like the the farmer ran in and then and then sort of sort of started poking at us until we put down our beers and went outside, you know. And we got really into the role play of it and and had fun. And I think fun in games is where you find it. Right. Yeah. On the other side of it, though, my issue with things like you know Descent and Dungeon Saga and Star Saga and and any of these games where you start off with a character is, um, first of all, in a skirmish game, you have limited ability to be able to start your character how you want. So, for instance, okay, if you're looking at say X, say if you're playing X Wing, for instance, sure. yeah. And, and bear with me yeah, on yeah. this analogy. You can pick certain cards tied into that particular ship in order to make your ship slightly different. Yep. Yeah. On descent, you've got the ability to to start off with, you know, certain equipment. However, you've never ever got free reign to start off and kind of almost roll a character from the very very beginning. You generally stick to kind of certain tropes. You've got like the barbarian. You've got the dwarf, you've got the wizard, you've got kind of like the elf kind of character. And they're just usually, they're kind of variations of those characters. There's usually a slight magical character, an all-magical character, a tank kind of character, and then there's like a stealthy kind of character. And I've never seen, I mean, that seems to get mirrored across every kind of, every kind of place. I guess where I'm angling with what you're doing is, rolling a character as if you're playing it as a D&D guy. And then I see a lot of D&D campaigns and I listen to a lot of podcasts where the D&D campaign is, an, is not about the story, but it seems to be about fighting encounter after fighting encounter. Mm. And I'm wondering if, you know, I'm probably wrong. There's probably thousands of games like this with the ability to almost create a role-playing character, but then use that Reuse that the skills in that role playing character in an almost kind of real, real time kind of battle skirmish type game. I think that would be, I think that would be cool, and it would also allow you to kind of a little bit more kind of freedom. And I don't know if that's the way that you're thinking of going with. It's it's not quite the way it. I'm thinking of going. But what I am thinking is that for each character, well, while they do many of them do fall into those traps. You know, there is the stealthy one, there is the tank one, there is. The kind of tanky and kind of tactician one. There is the the medic, you know, who's going to heal people and so on. You know, they they do fall somewhat into that. My intention actually is to give you some options within your trope, which can let you shape that in various directions. So the stealthy one. 
Um, maybe you decide that she's not that good at stealth, and her special ability, while well, she's still quite good at stealth, her special ability is really around the combat. Right? So, so you can yeah. make that choice to be better at the combat side than at the stealth side, or vice versa. You can choose to be not that good at the combat side, and much, much better at the stealth side. And, 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 uh, uh, you know, it's not quite as simple as a, as a sort of a, a bimodal choice. But, you know, yeah. you, you, you hopefully get where I'm coming from here. You, you get some options within the character that mean you can tweak it towards the direction you want. And, and you mm-hmm, could be the stealthy mm-hmm. character and be useless at stealth and never use stealth. And that's totally valid and you can build your character in that way. You know, maybe maybe the roleplay that lives around that becomes the comic relief because in theory you're stealthy, but actually you're super clumsy. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that makes a lot. Of, that does make a lot. Of, does make a lot of sense. So, are what you're saying with me breaking open your your exclusives to us is <laughs> that there are potentially going to be little miniatures with little running around in little capes, kind of potentially in superhero poses. Um, if you do quite well with the Era Consortium kind of Kickstarter campaign, is that is that a potentiality? I, I think it is not impossible. Uh, we'll obviously have to see how it goes. I, I <laughs> That's would love, not a no. Ed. I would I would love to do it. I, I'm going to be honest. I would love to do it. I, mm. I I would I would buy the hell personally. I would buy the hell out of a blue shift, uh, 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 a blue shift miniature. I, I just I, I love blue shift. Great character. I love Violet too. Also brilliant character. Um, wow. That was really self-congratulatory. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. This is the problem with being a creator, guys. It's, it's not all it's cracked up to be. You, you get problems because you end up being just super self-congratulatory all the time. Um, so, yeah. No, I, I would I would love to have miniatures of those things. I would love to see some of the Ananasi brought to life uh, from Era of the Chosen. I think that would be fantastic. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I think that Era Liars probably is the least useful to be a miniatures game because really it's, it's all about the realm of, of make believe. Um, but, but pretty much all of the other games, I mean, uh, some of the survival infected would look phenomenal, um, if done well. And I have every faith that Heriberto would do well. Every faith. Um, and of course I'm not. You know, uh, anyone who knows Era of the Consortium uh, and was paying attention when I was talking about what's in Stiletto Unit, not every option is in there, right? There's light armor, there's medium armor, there's heavy armor, uh, there are humans and Ulutians, there's a Zimian, there's a Zimian. It's a Zimian worker. There is, uh, you know, there are no Velithi. Um, yeah, okay. There, there are no, um, uh, that there is only one person with a stealth suit. There are several people with medium armor and and one with light, one with a stealth suit. Um, I think you know. I think that's worth having a look. I think a Zimian brain or a Zimian politician. It would be great to add those. And and my intention is that the stretch goals for this campaign will begin to look at unlocking some of those other characters. Um, there are, there is someone of everyone within the consortium universe who is in inverted commas famous enough. To be immortalized as a character. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, I think that, I think that I would love to see Keela, uh, who is the front cover of the rulebook primer. Um, you know, a human brawler. 
Uh, well, she's yeah. not actually human, she's Ulutian, but, you know, humans and Ulutians broadly look the same when they're not in water. Um, so, you know, a, a human slash Ulutian brawler, which doesn't currently exist, if you want to be a brawler with the miniatures, you kind of either have to convert one or ignore the mines under a Wuzia's chest or, um, you know, uh, remove the sword from Takahashi's hand or be a Zimian. Um, you know, th there's a limit to what you can do with eight characters. You can't have every option. And there are plenty more options that can be explored um, and that I would love to explore. I mean, going, I mean, in order to kind of like get involved, have you decided on kind of pledge levels? I mean, this is a different, I mean, for you, I mean, the other thing is as well, is this is a different level of pledges as well, isn't it? Because before, I mean, to me, there's a bit of a difference between kind of getting people to pledge on essentially kind of printable media for a lot of the stuff that you've done, and you're now going to be kind of like delivering kind of miniatures and boxes and t-shirts and stuff like that as well. So in terms of kind of like pledge levels, what, what are they kind of looking like if people are wanting to pledge into so that level? So what, 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 I, what I went away, I, I went away and I thought about this very, very hard. And I thought, okay... If we're, if we're going to do this, first of all, we need to cater for the people who have been fans of the game for a long time, don't mm. want the entire set of stuff, but would love mm. to have a miniature, right? Mm. So there is a £7 tier that gets you any miniature except for Steve Adams or Styrian, who are heavy armour and, and they're unfortunately a bit more expensive to create. But right, you get okay. to choose your own miniature. And there is a £9 tier... That lets you have Steve Adams or Styrian, because really they okay. they are that much more expensive to create. Um, you know, you you can then get uh, again if you want to join us in celebrating the fifth anniversary, and and please, if you're listening, I really hope you will. It's it's a really big deal to us. Um, you can get a miniature of your choice, any of those, and also a T-shirt for twenty quid. Yeah. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think that's all right. I think that's okay. Um, have you done like an all-in pledge? I have. You can just get of course everything. I have. Um, I, I've done an all-in for all the miniatures. If you, you know, maybe you're not interested in the role-playing game, that's fine. That's okay. Like I said a minute ago, you know, not everyone is. Not everyone likes role-playing. Maybe you already have the game. Maybe you're completely happy with your definitive edition rulebook, and you don't you don't really need the the fifth anniversary. You don't particularly wear t-shirts that you get off stuff. There's a miniature set. You can get all of the heroes, or even all of the um, all of the heroes and the gods as well, um, for just around sixty quid. Uh, that's twelve miniatures in total. Yeah. Um, and see, that's 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 kind of decent for getting everything. I think that's decent. For that level, I, I think that's decent. You know, that's you know, that's that's that is, and they are good miniatures. You only have to look at the Kickstarter. Um, I mean, we we sent some off, and we got some painted by Angel Giraldez, which was a personal, you know, bucket list tick. Um, it it, it was fantastic. Uh, what the work he's done is brilliant, and actually, those that set, there is one set of them which he has painted, which is on sale. Um, I am I am willing to I am willing to part with those. Uh, to someone who loves Angel's work as much as I do. Um, it's it's <laughs> such the, good work. If the price is right. Um, I, I'm not going to lie, they're not cheap. Um, they're definitely uh, not cheap. But, you know, uh, 
the work he's done is phenomenal and it's worth it. Um, uh, that's the, uh, and again, if you want to only get the rule book and you aren't interested in miniatures, you don't want t-shirts, you can get that too. That's £62 for the 5th anniversary edition of the Definitive Edition. Um, you can get the 5th anniversary rule book and a hero. You can get the 5th anniversary rule book and a t-shirt. And as you say, you know, I'm, I'm going to scroll down a bit. I'm going to, I'm going to skip a few things. Um, but there is, there is a full set of everything. Um, it comes to £140. Uh, it is the 5th anniversary t-shirt. It is the Era of the Consortium 5th anniversary rulebook. And it is the full miniature set, which includes all the heroes and all the enemies. And it's 140 quid. That's pretty cool. And, and if you're like me, and uh, you have you have perhaps a limited level of talent painting miniatures, um, uh, you can get all 12 miniatures professionally painted by the guy who did uh, most of the fo- uh, the miniatures for most of the photos in the campaign. Yeah. Charles Morris, he's a really nice guy. Uh, he's based in the UK. And he will paint all 12 miniatures for 600 quid. Whoa. That is 50 quid a miniature from a professional painter. Which is nothing for That's his level good. of talent. I mean, I mean, no, like, that is good. yeah, yeah I, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not signing up for one of those. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely not. Um, <laughs> he's only doing a limited number. There are, he's only willing to do ten. Yeah, well, he'll have a limited time. Won't exactly. He? So, yeah, I mean, he's got to deliver them, right? Do an awful lot of them. And um, yeah, yeah, and, absolutely, and yeah. you know, he reckons he can do about one a month. Uh, and he's going to deliver every, uh, one set a month. Sorry, not one miniature a month. He reckons he can do about one set a month and he'll deliver all of them by December 2019. But obviously we'll deliver them in the order that people pledge. So the first person who pledges right, will okay. get the first lot. Um, and uh, and as I said, a thousand pounds, and it really is only a thousand pounds, for eight stiletto unit miniatures from Angel Giraldez, plus the core rulebook, uh, you know, sorry, not the core rulebook, the the fifth anniversary rulebook, and plus the fifth anniversary t-shirt. So how long is the campaign going to run? Uh, the campaign is running through to sort of mid-March. Um, it ends on the 17th of March. Okay. Um, so it's not a, mass, not a massive amount of no, time then? No, uh, it, is, it is three full weeks. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's more than enough, really. Um, I'm... I'll be honest, uh, you know, my experience of running Kickstarters tends towards you get a lot of time in the middle, right? Yeah. And I've, you know, uh, I, I've I've got used to arranging stuff in advance. You know, a, a lot of people like yourselves, you know, you, you, you have maybe a three-week waiting list, right? That's, that's a good reason. You know, if you're launching a Kickstarter and then thinking about podcasts, you're going to go on and talk about it. That's a good reason to have a four or five week Kickstarter, right? Or, or you know, if you want to, uh, uh, if you're only going to get the prototype after the Kickstarter's launched and you're going to reveal it to your backers and then you want to send it off to a reviewer, you know, something like that, you know, and they need a few weeks. Um, if you want to, you know, if you want to do that, you can do that. You know, you, you, you can do that within a five week Kickstarter. 
Um, mm. But if you know what you're doing, and, and I knew exactly how I was going to talk about this Kickstarter. I know exactly who I'm going to talk to. I knew I was coming to talk to you, Richard. I knew I was going to go and talk to the Swarmcast podcast, because I always talk to those guys. Yeah. You know, yeah. I knew I was going to go to various places, and there are various other places where I'm trying. But I knew in advance what was going to happen. I know what Kickstarter's going to look like. And I don't see any point in sitting around for three weeks, or four weeks, yeah. or five weeks... Uh, uh, you know, that period where nothing's going to happen because it's not the first week or the last week, you know? Um, you look at any of my Kickstarters and, and the graphs of backing are all very clear. A lot happens in the first 48 hours. A lot happens in the last 48 hours. And you do crawl up in between. You do. You absolutely do. But you don't shoot up. Not in the same way. Yeah. And And... You know, it's it's a level of stress that's just not worth having for that length of time, uh, particularly with the number of Kickstarters I run. <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, obviously, what we'll do is we'll put the link into the show notes, so we've got notes to show along with the normal links. I'm sure most people know they're looking at the links to your stuff kind of off by heart, considering the number of times that you come on. Um, but if they do want to find you on the internet webs, where can we find you on the internet webs? If you go to our website, it's shadesofvengeance.com. If you go to Twitter, it's shades underscore of underscore veng. Venge, with, a, with an E on the Venge, end. Venge, yeah. yeah. That's it. That's why I said veng, <laughs> not ven. You know, I do know this. You've got your Facebook groups as well, so you can always go on there. But we'll put all those notes. See, I know this all, Ed. You know, it's like... It's like I can just you... sit back and do nothing. You, you got this. Hold my beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've totally... Yeah, I've got, you know, hold my beer. Exactly. Well, I'll see what I can do. I've got this. Um, and if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, Ed, where can they go if they want to keep an eye on what we're up to? Uh, well, <laughs> to I believe you're you. We're Not Wizards on absolutely everything. Um, uh, that's that's. There's no apostrophe in that, so it's. There's no apostrophe in that. Uh, yeah, yeah no. I definitely didn't make that mistake one time. Um, definitely. Uh, definitely but you can go not. to Facebook. We're not wizards. You can go to Twitter. We're not wizards. I believe you're. We're not wizards yeah. on Podbean. Um, yes. I believe you're. We're not wizards on uh, on the ice. Uh, the Apple Store. Yeah. If you search "We're not wizards" tabletop podcast, you'll find yeah, us there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Have I missed anything? Um, no, I don't think so. No, I, but, I, I mean, if you have if you have liked what you've listened to today, what should they do? Ed? Uh, well, they should give you ten stars out of five. Obviously, you just fucking <laughs> say, you stop. Well, you see, the thing is, you see, right after all of this, there's only one thing that we can really say, isn't there, Richard? Mm-hmm. We are wizards. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you the number of podcasts that you produce. I'm pretty sure you do it by using like a, a magic spell to turn back time, so Doctor Strange. Oh, you and... absolutely stop right now! <laughs> do you know what I mean? Look, if you like us, tell somebody about it. If you like us even more, go to the Apple Podcast thing. Give us like five stars because we're average. You know, and that's the average score on Apple. It is not. It's not ten, no matter what Ed says. <laughs> um, and I uh, stuff like things, you know, social media, etc. We're on Instagram as well, which is also weird, not wizards too, um, because we try not to be average. And the person that's not being average is Ed, who's always kind of he's always kind of slipped a little bit below average. Then he goes above <laughs> average, and then he kind of goes back on the so line I'm again. He's never not kind average. of 
definitely not. Well, no, either one or t'other. Yeah, I'm, I'm either you above know. or below. I'm, I'm, I'm never actually <laughs> on the line. Yeah, one of the it's two. Good to know. You've never actually managed to be average. You've always managed to be slightly less or slightly more, which is always, always very, very good indeed. Um, as I say, we'll put all the links in the show notes so we've got notes to show. Um, Thank you very, very much for coming on again. Uh, thank you for having me you back. Know. And and you know what? I, I, I am sure that I will be pestering you with more emails before very much longer. I, I've got loads planned. Yeah. And I, I would just like to say to everyone, thank you very much for listening. If you like Era the Consortium, if you go there for the first time, you've never seen it before and you like it. Um, if you're an existing fan who's been listening to us for five years, I have so much planned for Era the Consortium this year. It's the fifth anniversary. We're making a big deal out of it. We've got loads more stuff coming. We've got audio coming. We've got um, more... I can't say too much, but we've got more and more and more stuff coming. Um, This is the first in what I hope is a fairly long line of absolutely awesome things. Um... There's another bucket list tick, and and I am going to come back to you and talk to you about that, Richard, because I've teased it on your show about three times now, um, and I've not been able to tell you what it is, but we're getting there. We're getting closer now. Um, That's that's now scheduled for April, May. So um, I'm going to be able to come back and tell you about that uh, in a month or two. Um, Good. And, uh, and yeah, um, thank you... to Richard, who also has not been average. He's never been average. He is indeed a wizard. I mean, uh, don't I listen to him. He is trying to say that he's not. It's not true. He is a wizard. Um, I'll, I'll curse you, Joe, <laughs> right now. Wait, if you're not a wizard, swear. how are you going to curse what? me? Eh? Sorcery. <laughs> um, say, say goodbye, What, Ed. the sorcerers not count as wizards, then? They'd shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye, Ed. Goodbye. <laughs> and it's a goodbye for me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes. Don't have Ed Jow on your podcast. <laughs> right? Just seriously, if he asks, I'll, I'll hand out his email address <laughs> <laughs> so everybody knows. But seriously, I mean, yeah. Check out Era Consortium, the the five-year edition. It's kind of like Star Trek, but it's got minis. It sounds fantastic. Oh, my God. Um, I can't believe you just said that. But until, <laughs> but until, the, but until the next time... Nanu Nanu, live long and prosper. (laughs) Bye. Goodbye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. (laughs) 